Let me start with some questions. And I don't, I'm not asking for a response. I just want you to just think about these questions. Are you going for a walk? A lot of times at the door when people leave, they'll tell me what they're going to do for the day. We're going for a walk. We're going to find a place to go and we're going to walk. Or maybe you're planning a hike. Hmm. This would be a great day for it. To plan it, I said. <laughs> a hike for, I'm talking about July, but you can plan it today. Or, or maybe you're mapping a road trip. Something that you have had in mind for a while, and, or maybe something you do every year, whatever. Now, I will just say about any of these activities, you will need to know, matter of fact, you must know three basic things. You better know, number one, where you're going. And secondly, you better know how to get there. And thirdly, and maybe most importantly, you must know the way back. And that's a great title for a message. Matter of fact, I think I'll use it. The way back. Today for a little while, I want us to seriously think about faith. Let's all say that together. Faith. Everybody has some type of faith. People have faith in many different things. When we get into our car, we have faith that it'll crank and that it'll take us to our destination. We have faith that our doctor knows what he or she is doing when they examine us and prescribe and etc. Everybody has this mindset of faith of one kind or another. You've already expressed faith this morning in different ways. When you went to uh, turn the lights on somewhere, you hit the switch with the faith that light's going to come on. When you landed here, before you sat down, you exercised faith, and you really exercised it when you sat on the chair, thinking, ah, I think this will hold my weight. You see? Well, well, you may, have, you may have had doubts, but you're there anyway. Faith that the lights will come on. Faith that the chair is going to hold you. We all have this mindset. No one can live one single day without exercising faith in one form or another. Faith is also expressed, of course, in the spiritual realm. And for some people, they kind of just hold that out as it's just in the spiritual realm. Well, it isn't. It's in everyday life, too. Each of us, regardless of our background or experiences, expresses faith. The difference between the, the faiths that we exercise in our daily routine, and there are many of them, and our what we might call religious faith is the object of that faith. Ah, Faith. F-A-I-T-H. That's the way I spell it. Forsaking all, I trust him. Everyone places his or her faith in something or someone. The money-hungry 
puts his faith in the dollar and in the markets and in the material gain, whatever it could be. The humanist puts his faith in himself. The religious person puts his faith in his good works. Don't go there. None of these can save and none of these can help because in each case, the object of that faith is wrong. You see, our faith is only as good as the object in which we place our faith. We're told in the Bible that we're to personally put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, I heard a whole room full of people just singing that moments ago. We put our trust in Jesus and in him alone. Nothing less, nothing more, period. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, we read, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now let's read our text verses for this morning, and I'm going to invite you to read with me, and I think they'll show up in front of you. So Hebrews chapter 11, very, very familiar and very popular uh, passage of Scripture, and the writer is really giving us the the very true essence of faith. So here we go, and I, I just invite you to read with me. It's so nice to know that we can read together as one voice. So I'm going to start to read. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, get this, and by it, he being dead. So, to understand what faith is, we must get the past certain, got to get beyond certain misconceptions about faith. There there are people that think that as long as they are sincere about whatever it is they believe and practice, then that kind of faith will be good enough when they stand before God. Here's what the Apostle Paul says, writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.12. Here's what he said. And I love this word. It's one of Paul's favorite words, I think. It's certainly one of my favorite when I read it in Paul's scripture. For I know, K-N-O-W, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. But he said, I know whom I've believed. So saving faith, that faith... That, that, that faith that we're talking about right now, that Paul was talking about right there, is not in an object, it's not in a system, it's not in some self-concocted idea, but it is in a person, and that is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Let me help you understand. If your beliefs are not founded on that right person, it matters not what else you believe. And oh, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us what real faith is. See, I'm telling you what it isn't, but here we read what it is. Listen, as I read our text again in Hebrews 11, starting at verse 1 and 2 and 3, now faith is the 
substance. Let's say that word together. Faith is the Okay, let me, just, let me just unpack this a little bit. You notice that word substance? A good way to understand the meaning of substance is to think of a subfloor. That's what's holding up what is above it. It's what we call the unseen support. So what is faith? Faith is, first, the affirmative resource or response to God's will and God's word. Man possesses faith when he takes God at his word. We don't need to see something to believe it. Faith is the acceptance of something simply because God has said it. But the common statement that so many people use today, and you've seen it, you've read it, you may have said it, well, seeing is believing. The Bible teaches that believing is seeing. Worlds apart. By the way, if I could see it, what is there to believe? Jesus said in John 20, verse 29, he's speaking here to Thomas, he said, blessed are they that have not seen, listen, and yet have believed. John 20 and 29. Now back to Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So hope then is faith relating to the future and conviction is faith relating to the present. I want to repeat that. Hope then is faith relating to the future and conviction is faith relating to the present. Then I go down to verse 2. For by it, by what? By faith, the elders, or those before us, obtained a good report. Verse 3 says, through faith we understand. The worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Did you catch that? No man was present to witness the creation. Boy, what a good thing that is. We would have three religions that I can think of. The braggers, the more better braggers, and the most best braggers. Man, is it good. No man was present to witness the creation. So it must be accepted by faith. God created something out of nothing. People say, well, yeah, I put that together. I created that. Well, you put it together and you found some elements that kind of fit, but you didn't create it because creating, in God's sense, is taking nothing and making something out of it. So that things that are seen were not made of things which do appear. In Job chapter 38, verses 4 and 6, and I don't think I have this on the screen, so if you're a note taker or you're going to be uh, watching this online Job 38, verses 4 and 6. God is speaking to Job, and he asks some piercing questions. Listen to this one. Where were you when I established the earth? I love that. What supports its foundation? And I love this. Or who laid its cornerstone? We're, we're waiting, Job. We're waiting. And then Job 26, 7 
describing the creation, it said, God stretches the northern sky over empty space, get this, and hangs the earth on nothing. So I just want to give you a heads up. The next time you visit my house and you take your hat and coat off and ask me where to hang it, I'm just going to say, just on nothing. Just try that sometime. See how it works. And he hung the earth on nothing. So we believe it how? By faith. True faith is simple obedience to and believing in God's word in spite of circumstances and in spite of consequences. The book of Genesis explains the events of creation. And that explanation must be accepted how? Through faith. That's conviction. That's hope. That's truth. So the second thing that we see, when we ask the question, what is faith? Faith is simple obedience to and believing God's word in spite of circumstances or consequences. Faith is described in a twofold way. It's the substance of things hoped for and it's the evidence of things not seen. Again, that word substance means literally to stand under or to support. So faith Thirdly, is the foundation that gives a believer the confidence to stand. Faith is the confidence of things hoped for. Listen carefully. God has two ways in which man can come to him today. The first is you can come to him by works. That is... If you can present perfection in your works, God will accept you. Let me give you some good news. So far, nobody has ever been able to do that. Nobody. Adam didn't. Give you some more good news. And nobody since Adam has been able to do it. Abraham didn't. Joseph didn't. David didn't. Daniel didn't. The Apostle Paul didn't, Moses didn't, just keep naming them. None of them made it by being perfect. Therefore, this is not a satisfactory way to come to God. And if you're thinking, well, I'm just kind of adding things up and I'm going up the ladder and I'm almost there and I got a few more good works and a few more things, just stop now and just, just listen to the rest of this message. Because many people are hobbling along on that futile route of hoping to make it and everything will be all right. Let me tell you about one of the greatest missionaries of all time, a man by the name of J. Hudson Taylor. When Hudson Taylor first went to China, he's the man that opened China to the gospel. You don't know this, maybe, by reading the news of the day, but China was one of the great Christian nations many years ago. A couple hundred, not that many years ago. And when he first went to China, he was on a sailing vessel, and that vessel had come very close to the shore of Cannibal Islands, 
because the ship was caught in a calm and then it was slowly drifting toward the shore and I think the savages might have been anticipating a feast. So the captain came to Mr. Taylor and sought him to pray for the help of God. And Hudson Taylor said, I will, provided you set your sails to catch the breeze. The captain declined to make himself a laughingstock by unfurling those great sails in a dead calm. Taylor said, I will not undertake to pray for the vessel unless you prepare the sails. And so it was done. While Hudson Taylor was in prayer, there was a knock at the door of his stateroom. Who is there? Taylor asked. And the captain replied, Sir, are you still praying for wind? Yes, I am. Well, said the captain, you better stop praying, for we have more wind now than we can even imagine, and we can't manage it. You see, Hudson Taylor had faith in what was unseen and unknown as yet. In a simpler term, it reminds me of the story of the elderly lady who was walking along the sidewalk early one evening. And she was carrying her umbrella, and she was heading down the street in the main part of town. And a friend stopped and said, where are you going, Mrs. Blank? And she said, I'm going to prayer meeting. He said, well, that's nice. He said, what's the umbrella for? We've been in a drought here for over six months. <laughs> Haven't seen a drop of rain, Oh, she said, we're going to be praying for rain. Faith in what is unseen as yet. Another word describing what faith is. Fourthly, faith is evidence. Or it means conviction. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. This is inward conviction, conviction enabling the believer to believe things not yet seen. That God is going to do those things and God is going to do what he has promised he would do. And that is the conviction that only faith can bring. It's beautiful. Listen as I read verse 4 again. Because this has all to do with Abel's faith. By faith, I love the way that that starts, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, his brother, by which he obtained witness that he was a righteous man, God testifying of his gifts. When God testifies of your righteousness, you're pretty well there. And by it, by what? By his faith, being dead, the man still speaks. Even though Abel is dead today, his faith is still speaking out as we read about here from the Word of God. We're reading about Abel right now. We're naming his name. We're talking his story. He's still talking, isn't he? He's still speaking. How? By faith. Notice, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. How? Because he offered it by faith. Now here is what we read in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Keep that in mind. God revealed to Adam the only way back to him was by a blood sacrifice. 
Something must give its life. An animal had to be killed. Its blood had to be shed in order for man to come back to him. Now, that was God's way at that time, and it was pointing to the future when Jesus Christ would give his life, he would shed his blood, he would become the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, all the sin, yours and mine. This Lamb's sacrifice was made known to Abel and to Cain. They both knew it. God would receive no other offering, and it had to be God's way or no way, and God has not changed his mind nor the way back to him at all, even to this very day. Here's what John the Baptist said in John chapter 1, verse 29. And he was a relative. He said the next day John sees Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Wow. And of course, you know those familiar words of John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that it gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, present tense, have everlasting life. <laughs> oh, don't read 16 without 17. John 3, 17 says, always remember this, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, my friends, faith caused Abel to worship God, and to do it correctly. By faith, the Bible says, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. More excellent than what? Than Cain's. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous. That is in perfect right standing with God. God testifying of it, and by it, by faith, he being dead yet speaks. I hope you hear him today. Adam without a doubt, had both of his sons, had told both of his sons about this and the whole arrangement, Abel and Cain, the word of God, the way back to God, one way only, this is how you worship God. We're told in Genesis 4 that Abel cho chose the choicest lamb as an offering and he brought it to the place of sacrifice. Now the, the lesson which is left for us by this first example of faith is that Abel believed that which he had heard from God on this all-important subject. And Cain, his brother, did not believe God. And it's as plain and simple as that. But notice, Cain was not godless either. He had a God consciousness. Some people may say, well, he just didn't have any. No, he had the same opportunity. He was given the same message. He was challenged by God through his dad the same way. In fact, Cain's offering may have, in some sense, it probably costs more than Abel's offering. But the way back to God that Cain chose, note this, was his own way. Well, the way which Abel took was the way that had been made known and revealed and laid down as God's way. Cain had heard the report as well as Abel had, but he didn't believe God. He invented what he must have supposed to be a better way. An excellent way. We've got a lot of people living today who, they got a better way. Don't go that way. Don't listen to that preacher. Don't, don't believe that verse of Scripture. Just go your own way. You'll make it. And so in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, here's what we read. Cain brought the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. But wait, but wait, but, but wait, wait, wait. Just don't read that glibly and leave it. 
That ground is the very ground that the Lord God had just before put under the curse for man's sin and had said to Adam in Genesis 3, just go back one chapter to verse 17, cursed is the ground for your sake. So Cain brought as his offering to the Lord that which God had pronounced to be cursed. Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. What was it that made Abel's sacrifice a more excellent sacrifice than Cain's? We can understand it when we remember what the words by faith mean. They mean that God had spoken. Cain and Abel had both heard. Abel obeyed God. Cain did not. It was a question, as we've seen, of of believing what had been spoken as to the way back. The way back to God. God's way back. Call it what you will. Abel took it by that perfect sacrifice, by the death of a substitute, by the blood of atonement. That was the law of redemption, and afterwards it was laid down actually in Israel's legislation. Then there was man's way back which Cain invented. It was without blood, devised of his own heart, right in the same book, back two chapters in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, a famous verse of Scripture in a great passage. We read, Without the shedding of blood is no remission of sins. Cain's was the new theology of the day. And it consisted in not believing what God had spoken and inventing a new way all his own. All, listen very carefully. Listen very carefully. Because I think this uh, applies to all of us. I know it applies to me, and I, I'm pretty sure it applies to all of you. All of man's efforts to scheme, to connive, to shortcut his way back to God utterly fail, utterly falter, utterly fumble, and utterly end in disaster. That new way, man's way, is not aided by even one degree by things like declaring the gospel message, community and political involvement, ministry activity, and you could go all the way down a long list. And I refer only to my own experience as Exhibit A. Declaring the gospel. I've preached in all 10 provinces of Canada, three times, as a matter of fact. I've preached in Maine and and Massachusetts and New York and Ohio and Texas and Colorado and Arizona and California and Alaska. I've preached to crowds as small as four (laughs) and as large as 4,000. What about community and political involvement? 21 years in elected public office. Five terms on the city council, three terms as the mayor, three terms in the state legislature, and one term as the House Minority Whip. What about ministry then? 48 plus years, literally thousands of sermons. I started counting them up the other day, and I said, no, it's just, it's in the thousands. I've been blessed with the joy of baptizing 605 believers of all ages. Add up all of these bonus points, all my brownie points, 
that you come up with. And if you're not good at math, I'll tell you the answer before you start counting. It's zero. Man's way is not God's way. Hear me, hear me. Salvation is all grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Give him the glory. Cain's way is man's way. Cain's way is where all the man-made religions and belief systems of the world sprout up from today. And they're still coming. They're still coming. Because somebody's got a better idea, and it isn't Ford. The extent of these two ways is this. One is God's way, the other is man's. One is by faith, the other is by man's imagination. One is of grace, the other is of merit. One is of faith, the other is of works. One is Christianity, the other is religion. The one rests on what God has said, the other rests on what man thinks. One rests on what Christ has done, the other rests on what man can do. These two words sum up and embody two ways. Do and D-O-N-E, done. As to what man is to do, there's no end to the variety. We could spend the next two weeks going down a list of things you could do to try to make it. But on the opposite page, God put down the principle once and for all that men must approach him on only one basis, and that basis is by faith, and that salvation will be by grace through faith in Christ, nothing else. Not only did Abraham see Christ's day and rejoice, but so did Abel. Right there at the very beginning, God made clear the way to himself. Hebrews 9.22. Without shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. We come to God on one basis. We're sinners. The penalty for our sins must be paid. The reason a lamb had to be slain, that lamb could not take away sin, but it foreshadowed the coming of the Christ who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, yours and mine. And it was offered, and it is offered, and it is still offered in faith. Abel's offering pointed to Christ, and he came by faith. That's the way of salvation. God made the way very clear at the beginning. God's made it very clear to you and to me. Christ is the way to himself. God gave him to die for our sins. And then Abel illustrates to us the way of faith. It's the blood-sprinkled way. It's the way that is Jesus. Yeah, the one coming into a lost, depraved, wayward, hopeless, hurting, hurting Big time, hurting world. As Gordon Mote, the blind singer-songwriter, penned it, only Jesus can heal this hurting world. And you mark it well, my friend. That's the way back. This world will not get better on its own More problems each day And we're losing sight of hope We need to admit We can't fix what's going wrong 
but there's someone who can do what we've needed all along. Only Jesus can heal this hurting world. Only Jesus can heal this hurting world. No one can love like He does. Heart by get alone because we don't know how to change no plan formed by man can set us free inside but the prince of peace can reach our wounded hearts and minds only Jesus can heal this hurting Thank you.